Good afternoon, brothers and sisters. What a blessing it is that we may be here again for the second time on this day to join together in worship of our triune God. A hearty welcome to all who are present here this afternoon and to all those who have joined us remotely via the live stream. May the preaching of the gospel message direct our hearts and minds in faith and trust to our Savior Jesus Christ and cause us to live our lives to the praise of him. Consistory has the following announcements. At a station has been requested by Brother Douglas Bosch for the Free Reformed Church of Valdivis and we wish our brother the Lord's blessing in his new congregation. Reverend Poppy, our minister, will be on holidays as from tomorrow. Anyone in need of pastoral care is requested to contact one of the office bearers. This afternoon, a service will be led by our own minister, Reverend Poppy. But before we commence, let us sing together from hymn 23, verse 1 and verse 2. Hymn 23, verse 1 and 2. Brothers and sisters, please rise. Let's worship God. We confess that our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Amen. Grace to you and peace from God the Father Almighty and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's now sing a song of praise. Let's sing together from Psalm 119, the verses 1, 4, and 40.
Let us now make a profession of our Catholic, our undoubted faith. Let's do so this afternoon with the words of the Apostles' Creed as set to music in hymn one. Let's now pray to God and let's ask God for his blessing. Almighty God and Father in heaven, thank you, Lord, that once again on the Sunday afternoon that you bring us together here and that you condescend to meet with us. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You're glorious and you're majestic. You're seated on your throne and all creation is under your authority. Thank you, Father, that you are a good God, that you are a God who's, who's filled with goodness and who gives this goodness and spreads it out to those around you. You are righteous in all your dealings. You're just in all your ways. You're a God who, who delights to extend grace to those who have sinned. You are not like men who, who are often unwilling to forgive. But your heart and your compassion is aroused within you when you see people struggling in their sins and you're willing to forgive people and to restore them in a relationship with you. Thank you, Lord, that you sent your Son into this world in order to make this happen. We celebrate this Christmas Day and the immense gift that you've given us in bearing our curse and in restoring us to yourself. Father, we thank you that you give us the gospel, that in the gospel you, you show how that applies to all sorts of different areas of life. We're here this afternoon to open your word to consider the seventh commandment and that you teach us not to commit adultery, but to walk in purity before you and in holiness with you. We pray, Father, that 
as we open your word this afternoon, that we may understand what your calling is. We realize what a, what a kind God you are to give us these commands, that we may once again humble ourselves before you, seek your face, and rely upon your grace. Father, we pray that you would please also be with us, be with those who are not able to be with us this afternoon. Grateful, Lord, that many members of our congregation are able to have holidays, that they're able to have some time of rest and refreshment and relaxation. We want to pray that you would please bless this time. We want to ask that you would bless family relationships. It's a time where we often get to spend more time with other family members. We pray that we may encourage and build each other up, that in a relaxed and in a, in a restful way that we can renew relationships and be rejuvenated for the tasks you've given us. Father, thank you for this gift of your grace. Be near to those who are traveling. Keep them safe on the road. And give them much joy in enjoying your creation. We thank you, Lord, that, that you provide for us in so many ways. We wish to acknowledge this and to praise you for your kindness towards us. Please be near to us now this afternoon. Please accept the songs that we sing and the prayers that we offer and the thank offerings we bring before you and the confession we make. And we pray, Lord, that with your Holy Spirit, you would sanctify our worship so that it may be pleasing with you, and that together with your people around the world, that we may give you the glory you're due. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, brothers and sisters, this afternoon I may preach to you the word of God concerning the seventh commandment. I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of slavery, out of the house of bondage. You shall not commit adultery. In connection with that, I'd like to read with you one passage of scripture we're going to read together from Proverbs chapter 7. Proverbs 7, you can find that in your guest Bible on page 630. Proverbs 7, there the word of God says, My son, keep my words and treasure up my commands within you, with you. Keep my commandments and live. Keep my teaching as the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Say to wisdom, you are my sister. And call insight your intimate friend. To keep you from the forbidden woman, from the adulteress with her smooth words. For at the window of my house, I've looked out through the lattice, and I've seen among the simple, I've perceived among the youths, a young man lacking sense. Passing along the street near her corner, taking the road to her house, in the twilight, in the evening, at the time of night and darkness. And behold, the woman meets him, dressed as a prostitute, wily of heart. She is loud and wayward. Her feet do not stay at home, now in the streets, now in the market, and at every corner she lies in wait. She seizes him and kisses him, and with a bold face she says to him, I had to offer sacrifices, and today I've paid my vows. So now I've come out to meet you, to seek you eagerly, and I've found you. I've spread my couch with coverings, colored linens from, e from Egyptian linen. I've perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come. Let us take our fill of love till morning. Let us delight ourselves with love. For my husband is not at home. He is gone on a long journey. He took a bag of money with him, 
At full moon, he will come home. With much seductive speech, she persuades him. With her smooth talk, she compels him. All at once, he follows her. As an ox goes to the slaughter, or as a stag is caught fast, till an arrow pierces its liver. As a bird rushes into a snare, he does not know that it will cost him his life. And now, my sons, listen to me, and be attentive to the words of my mouth. Let not your heart turn aside to her ways; do not stray into her paths, for many a victim has she laid low, and all her slain are a mighty throng. Her house is the way to Sheol, going down to the chambers of death. So far, the reading of God's word. Let's now sing together. We're going to sing the confession that David made after his sin from Psalm 32, the verses one and two.
This afternoon we may consider what the Lord has taught us in the seventh commandment. We do so by looking at what the scripture teaches us, as it's also summarized for us in Lord's Day 41 of the Heidelberg Catechism. If you want to follow along, you can read that on page 556 of your book of praise. Lord's Day 41, the first question asks, what does the seventh commandment teach us? That all unchastity is cursed by God. We must therefore detest it from the heart and live chaste and disciplined lives both within and outside of holy marriage. Does God in this commandment forbid nothing more than adultery and similar shameful sins? Since we, body and soul, are temples of the Holy Spirit, it's God's will that we keep ourselves pure and holy. Therefore, he forbids all unchaste acts, gestures, words, thoughts, desires, and whatever may entice us to unchastity. Then after the proclamation of God's word, we're going to sing together from Psalm 51, the verses 1, 4, and 6. Dear brothers and sisters, congregation loved by the Lord Jesus Christ, one of the really great ways in which God shows his love to us is that he has given us sexuality as a very precious gift. He's given this unique gift between husband and wife to enjoy in marriage and to, to bind them together in a very unique way. It's his joy that through the gift of children that we can also, or sorry, through the gift of sexuality that we can also receive children from him that we also give pleasure to one another in marriage. And it's really quite striking to see how God talks about sexuality in the scriptures. It's in the last verse of Genesis 2. So this is page 2 of the Bible. The Lord tells us that after he created Adam and Eve, then both of them were naked and they were not ashamed. It's later in Proverbs 5, the Lord teaches us to be delighted, to be intoxicated by the love and the sexual intimacy that we experience together as husband and wife. In the Song of Solomon, the Lord teaches us, he devotes this whole book to to showing the beauty of sexual love, what it is to, to have an intimate relationship and then to receive the gift of sexuality within the context of that relationship. It's really actually quite striking. In the first verse of 1 Corinthians 7, he also says to us that if you're married then it's really important for you to to have a normal, healthy sexual relationship as husband and wife because he says that's one of the ways that he protects you from sexual sin. And so our Father, he gives us this precious gift and he calls us to, to enjoy that within the context of the bond of marriage. But then he also tells us that if you explore your sexuality outside of marriage, then it becomes really difficult. There's so much guilt and shame and brokenness. Brokenness in your relationship with God and brokenness in relationships with the people around you. Oftentimes, it's a little later in the next or the previous chapter here in Proverbs, talks about the jealousy that a husband can experience, about the anger that a man can go through. 
Sometimes people have this profound sense of self-loathing, a loss of assurance of faith. The Lord, he's a good God, and he wants to spare us from these things. You know, brothers and sisters, it's good for, for us today to reflect on these teachings. I was just reading this past week, there's an article written by Brother Van Maren in the latest Reformed Perspective. He's talking about the use of pornography. He's a brother who's spoken often about this topic. Last dozen years, he's had many, many presentations in schools and churches to reform communities. And he notes that the use of pornography is not a new thing among us. But he notes that there are three things that are new. And he says the first thing that's new is that pornography is becoming normal. It used to be something that people didn't do. That if anybody engaged in this, then this was, this was a terrible thing. Well, it's all over the place. It's everywhere. And since it's everywhere, since everybody can access it, he says it's almost become the new normal. The second thing he says that's new is that increasingly women are being involved in pornography. And the third thing he says that's new is that now more and more you have much younger children who are getting involved in pornography. It's not uncommon. Years ago, he never heard about it. But nowadays, he does a speech at a school, and it's not uncommon for people to come to him and to tell him that before they are 10 years old, that they're already addicted to pornography. Well, the issue for us today, it's not just that pornography is everywhere, but it's that every form of sexual morality is rampant around us. Abstinence is not the norm. Neither is marital faithfulness. The tender culture lets you hook up with whoever you want to. We live in a time where few people have any kind of sexual boundaries. And really, it goes deeper than that, brothers and sisters. The core issue for us today is that people around us, they don't know God. They don't have a relationship with God. And so they live an autonomous life. They live by themselves and they live for themselves. And so the ultimate value, the ultimate meaning today is being true to yourself, being true to what you feel. And if that's the core value that you have in life, then oftentimes what you feel is you feel desire for something or someone that God has forbidden. But we understand that this kind of thinking is sinful, that sexuality is sacred. And yet on another level, we're still deeply influenced by our culture. Somewhere deep down, it happens for, for us, for our youth, that we know sexuality is reserved for marriage. We know that we need to keep this pure. Yet on another level, it's so easy to cross lines. For many of us, we know that we're not our own, that we don't live by ourselves and for ourselves. Yet we also have it at times that we do give in to the thinking that we should be able to have what we want. 
We create space in our lives to allow sin to fester. It's really quite sad, brothers and sisters, increasingly as office bearers, we're involved in situations where people cross all sorts of boundaries. They know what the Lord says. They know what he's taught. They know the way it should be. And yet it doesn't happen. In people's lives, sin becomes entrenched. This is not our Father's way. He's a far better plan for us. He calls us to love and to faithfulness, to purity and to joy. And so I preach God's word to you this afternoon with this theme, be wise and pursue sexual purity. We're going to see three things. In first place, the seduction. Secondly, the snare. And third, the salvation. How do you be wise? What does it actually look like? Well, here in Proverbs 7, Solomon tells his son to keep his commands and to hold on to his teaching. Maybe you want to open Proverbs 7 with me. We're just going to work our way through this passage. So he starts off there with those words. He says, My son, keep my words and treasure up my commands within you. Keep my commandments and live. Keep my teaching as the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers and write them on the tablet of your heart. Say to wisdom, you are my sister, and call insight your intimate friend, to keep you from the forbidden woman, from the adulteress, with her smooth words. A father is telling his son, he's saying, son, the most important thing you need to do is you need to listen to me. You need to take to heart the words that I say to you. And then the very next thing he says is that he, he says, son, I noticed a young man, and he wasn't wise. Verse 7, I've seen among the simple, I perceived among the youths, a young man lacking sense. The word simple here, if we use the word simple, if we say someone's simple, then we, we often have the connotation he's a bit dumb, or he's a bit limited. Well, that's not really the connotation in the scriptures. In the scriptures, if someone is simple, then it means he's not wise. It has a connotation of being gullible and being taken in. Proverbs 14, verse 15, the simple believes everything, but the prudent gives thought to his steps. Again, Proverbs 22, verse 3, the prudent sees danger ahead and hides himself, but the simple go on and suffers for it. A simple man, he doesn't realize that he's getting into danger. He does something, and he doesn't really understand what he's really getting into. Well, that's where this young man is. He's not a hardened sinner. He's not someone who makes a practice of going to prostitutes. He's not addicted to pornography. He's not engaged in an affair. Now, the problem for this father is that his son is young. And he's like this this simple youth who's just not wise in the decisions that he's taking. You know, real life, sometimes it happens for us as parents that our children ask those kinds of questions. You know, they say, what's wrong with it? What's wrong with hanging out at a pub? What's wrong with hanging out with friends who are not Christians? What's wrong with staying up all hours of the night? What's wrong with going camping with a group of guys and girls in the White Hills? Well, that's the headspace of this young man. Verse 7, I perceived among the youths a young man lacking sense, passing along the street near her corner, taking the road to her house in twilight, in the evening, at the time of night and darkness. He hasn't done anything wrong. 
but he's really not smart. He's drifting by the house of a prostitute late at night. He has an ominous tone. It says there, it's at twilight, as the day was fading, as the dark of night was setting in. Job 24.13 tells us what happens when people go out at night. There are those who rebel against the light, who are not acquainted with its ways and do not stay in its paths. The murderer rises before its light that he may kill the poor and needy, but in the night he is like a thief. The eye of the adulterer also waits for twilight, saying, No eye will see me, and he veils his face. This is the young man who, who's lacking wisdom. He drifts past the house of the prostitute at night, just at the time when she's going to come out of her house and at the time when he could get into trouble. It's kind of like flicking through what's trending on TikTok or some Instagram account when you know that you could very well find some really racy pictures and you could get into all sorts of trouble. It's not that you go searching for pornography. It's not that you go straight to a porn site. You're just not wise. And you put yourself into a compromising situation. But how often hasn't it happened, brothers and sisters, young people? You don't intend that a few drinks that you have at a party leads to an illicit encounter. But sometimes that's what happens. You don't intend that flirting with another person leads to an affair. But those are the kinds of things that happen. It's those who lack judgment, who, stay, who don't stay away from those kinds of situations. And they're the people who get into all sorts of trouble. And it's really sad, once you get involved in sin, how often sin becomes entrenched. Here you have this woman who's part of the covenant community. She's a believer, and yet she's someone who has become really hardened in her sin. She's not simple. She's not naive. No, she comes out of the house to meet him. She's dressed like a prostitute. She has crafty intent. This woman's been here before. She's loud and defiant. Solomon says her feet never stay at home. She lurks in the streets and in the squares. She wants to seduce a man, whoever she can find. And when this youth passes by, then she goes out, she grabs hold of him, and brazenly, she kisses him. She turns on the charm. She tells him how she's been waiting for him. And how her bed is ready, and her husband's gone on a long journey. And it's the most natural thing in the world for him to come to her. Well, that's often where sin leads. Let's say it's happened for you, brothers and sisters, you committed this sexual sin. Does it really matter? Is it really a big deal? Now, usually sexual sins are secret. Nobody knows. You can think to yourself, well, what difference does it really have to make? And it can be a really seductive thought. It's a private thing. Nobody needs to know. Doesn't need to impact the rest of my life. But you know, Solomon 
He says that's simply not the truth of it. Verse 22, he says, All at once he follows her as an ox that goes to the slaughter, or as a stag is caught fast till an arrow pierces its liver. As a bird rushes into a snare, he does not know that it will cost him his life. This is not a low-impact decision this young man is making. It's going to cost him his life. And the Lord uses three images to describe the seriousness of the situation here. He says this youth is like an ox that goes to the slaughter, like a stag that gets caught in a snare, or like a bird that gets caught that darts into a snare. None of these animals, they had any idea of the mortal danger that they were in until after it happened. This young man, he's got no clue about what's going on until after he makes a decision. In verse 25, the Lord spells it out. He says, Let not your heart turn aside to her ways. Do not stray into her paths. For many a victim has she laid low, and all her slain are a mighty throng. Her house is the way to Sheol, going down to the chambers of death. She has many victims. There's literally a mighty throng of people that this woman has brought down. Her house is a highway to the grave. It leads to the chambers of death. Now you read that over, brothers and sisters, and you wonder to yourself, well, what does that really mean? It sounds like it's saying that you get engaged in, in this kind of sexual sin and it leads to death. Is that really what Solomon is saying? Is that true to life? Does that, does that really happen in people's lives? You know, to answer the question, it's really interesting. This is not the only place where God says it. Here in the, the book of Proverbs, his father addresses it again and again for his son, and he says the same thing over and over. It's back in Proverbs 2.16. He talks about an adulteress who tempts a man with her seductive words. And it says there of her that her house sinks down to death, her paths to the departed. None who go to her come back, nor do they regain the paths of life. He's saying committing adultery is a one-way street to death. And he says the same thing, Proverbs 5, verse 3. For the lips of a forbidden woman drip honey, and her speech is smoother than oil, but in the end, she is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps follow the path to Sheol. She does not ponder the path of life. Her ways wander, and she does not know it. In a real life, once the high wears off, once the sin's being committed, then the brutal consequences start showing up. Sin kills your conscience. There's so much shame and so much guilt. It separates you from God. You feel unworthy to come into his presence. Instead of wanting to draw near to Christ, your gut reaction is try to get away from God because you're not worthy and you're ashamed. And there's a part of you that can think to yourself, you know, I don't know if I'm really one of God's children. That's one of the core things that the Lord addresses 1 Corinthians 6.16. He says, don't ever go to a prostitute. And this is the reason why. 
He says, you don't go to a prostitute because then you become one body with her. But Paul says, you're one spirit with the Lord. And then he continues, he says, flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside of his body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you're bought at a price. So glorify God with your body. Paul's saying your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. If you sin sexually, then you grieve the Holy Spirit. And instead of being united to God, then you become estranged from him. That's the, the most foundational cost, danger of sexual sin. You know, at core, sexual sin is idolatry. At core, you put something else. You put your sexuality in the center of your life instead of putting the Lord in the center of your life. And in the end, the Lord gets squished to a little corner somewhere else. Some of the other consequences is that you often start to live a double life. On the outside, you have it together. You're a devoted Christian. You're a dedicated student. You're a valued employee. You're a smart businessman. But somewhere else, you know the truth. You know the sin that festers. You're afraid about that sin being uncovered. Sometimes there's the lies upon lies upon lies that you tell to keep things hidden. Well, you know, that's a losing game. If you try to keep it hidden, if you try to keep your sin under wraps, it never works. That's what God says, 1 Timothy 5, 24. He says, the sins of some are conspicuous, they're obvious, going before them to judgment. But he says, the sins of others appear later. Then Paul says, in the next verse, he says, the same is true for good, good things that you do. You can try to hide the good things that you do, but eventually over time, there's a trail behind you. There's a trail of good that comes up behind you. And so it cuts both ways. It's true of sin. Eventually, the trail behind you comes out. It affects your heart. It affects your relationships. It affects you as a person. It affects everything around you if you allow sin to fester. And those, those consequences, they start piling up behind you, and then everything becomes obvious at some point. And on top of that, there's so many other consequences. You lose a sense of tenderness and affection. And your heart becomes callous. Your sexuality, it's no longer this precious gift that God has given you in order to bind you together in a very special way with your husband or wife. But it becomes a really selfish thing that you use to find pleasure for yourself. And you do untold damage to your soul, to yourself, to your being, to your person and also to the future relationship with your spouse. In the end, when it does come out, and oftentimes relationships are shattered, when the people closest to you find the trust that you've broken. It's not only the, the fact that you've committed the sin, it's also the fact that you've lied about it, that you try to keep it hidden. 
Would you understand why Solomon says over and over again that if you give this sin a place in your life, then it's going to cost you your life? Well, if you're in that space, you can wonder to yourself, is there any way out? Can we get away from this? How do you live a chaste, a pure life before God? Well, the only way to find peace, the only way to find freedom is through relationship. Through relationship with Jesus Christ. It's through drawing near to your Savior and confessing your sin and repenting of it. It's by being honest about who you are, what you've done, by putting it on the table, by asking God for his grace and forgiveness. And then you must, you must know who Christ is. You must know what Christ does. You must believe that Jesus Christ is your Savior. You must believe that he died on the cross for your sins, that he's paid for them, that he's risen, and that he's ascended into heaven with power over all things. He has authority, and he's promised to help you. You must believe that he has the promise, that he has the power to make that happen. But today we get to celebrate Christmas. We celebrate the birth of our Savior Jesus Christ. He came into this world to help us. He came to do it for us. The reason it's often so hard when we, when we sin in general, and especially when we sin sexually, it's often a very difficult thing for us to get away from ourselves. It's not just because we lack self-control, and it's not just because we have these sinful desires. It's because we're involved in spiritual war. There's a powerful way that the devil and his demons, they also seek to gain control in the lives of God's people. And it's in that warfare that you must recognize that Christ has the power. 1 John 3, 8, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. He came to rescue you, to set you free. You must believe that as an act of love that your Father will forgive you for all your sins. He's merciful, and he's slow to anger, and he's abounding in steadfast love. And he will show grace for the sake of Jesus Christ. When Christ came, he, he bore our curse. He took up our shame. He did it to rescue you and to save you from that. It's through faith in Christ that you become a new person. It is possible to put it behind you, brothers and sisters. It's possible. It's God's joy. He loves to do that for his people. And the way he does that is by making you into a new person. As you believe in Jesus Christ, and the Spirit of Christ lives in you, and he renews you, and he takes control of your life, and he makes you into this new person. And so you don't need to be defined by your sin, but what defines you is your relationship to your, to your Savior Jesus Christ. What is your only comfort in life and death? That I'm not my own. That I belong in body and soul, both in life and death, to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. That's what defines us as the people of God. And when you remember that, then you have a basis on which to move forward. Now what does it look like 
real life to move forward? Well, in the first place, Solomon tells his son that you need to, to seek wisdom. He says, keep my words and treasure my commands within you. Keep my commands and guard my teaching as the apple of your eye. Your father's given you the most powerful weapon in your struggle against sin. He's given you the weapon of, of his word. Words of truth. Words that cut, cut deep. Words that help you to understand what is sin and what is not. And how to live in holiness and how to live in righteousness before God. And this word of God, it's, it's the most powerful thing in the world. You know, if you're, if you're struggling with sexual sin at this time, then one of the best things that you can do is you can memorize some of those passages of Scripture that address this matter. And so make this part of your devotional life, that you memorize a verse. Every day, every other day, you memorize a verse, and you commit it to memory, and you carry it with you. And you do that over the course of weeks and over the course of months. You can memorize Proverbs, the last verse of Proverbs 2, or some verses in Proverbs 5 and chapter 6 and chapter 7. Or you think what, what Christ says, Matthew 5, 27, whoever lusts in a woman in her heart has already committed sexual immorality. Or you think of what Job says, Job 31, verse 1. He says, I've made a covenant not to look lustfully at a woman. Made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at a woman. Or 1 Timothy 5, verse 2, treat younger women as sisters with absolute purity. Young men, you treat younger women as sisters, like your sister, with absolute purity. That's when you, when you commit these things to memory, when you take that with you, then this is a powerful way that the Spirit of God assists you in the struggle against sin. And one of the other great blessings that the Lord gives us is he gives us a communion of the saints. He says, I give you to each other, and I want you to help each other. I put you into a fellowship of believers so that you can know one another and love each other and support each other. Brother Van Maren, he mentions in his article that when talking to the youth about this issue, that one of the questions that they keep asking is the question, how can I get help? And these are reformed youth. And they're wondering, where can I find help? They're too scared, they're too ashamed to talk to people in their lives, to ask for the assistance that they need. Maybe they're too nervous that the adults in their lives will not be able to provide the help that they need. Well, the Lord, he gives us to each other. And he calls us to help each other. One of the greatest gifts is to have another person who walks the journey with you, someone who understands, someone who prays for you, someone who holds you accountable. I can refer to one other article written in the Reform Perspective in the previous issue a couple of months ago. Brother Bill DeVries from Smithers, British Columbia, he wrote this article about their church running the Conquer Series DVD program. Well, it's a program aimed at helping those who struggle with pornography and with other forms of sexual bondage. And he says it's something that's absolutely transformed their community. So over the course of a few months, that the Lord, or that, that these men, they meet together, they open the scriptures together, they work together, 
through what the scriptures has to say and they really get to a point where they they're really honest with one another the beautiful thing is that as they confess their sins as they have an openness with one another then they have a level of accountability in their lives that they've never had previously and it really changed the culture in their church last month I had the beautiful opportunity to travel through Canada I talked to quite a few others it's actually a program that's being run in quite a few of the the Canadian Reformed churches you know by nature we're those who who keep sin hidden who hold back but if it's in secret then it festers if it's out in the open then it loses its power and so our father says that he gives us to each other he especially gives the office bearers if you're struggling with these things and talk to a close friend talk to your father talk to an office bearer and ask them for assistance to walk the journey is our our father's intention that our sexuality is a great gift that it leads to great blessing he's given us the gift of marriage and he says marriage is is the foundation of your lives together he says i call you to be married to one another to have children to raise those children to know and love me in marriage he says the most important thing is love and faithfulness that you love each other from the heart that you're faithful in your dealings with each other that you create a context where there's with this gentleness and kindness and honesty there's a lot of love where it's safe for the children to grow up but when we when we use the gift of sexuality within that context then it becomes a very a very special thing where it binds husband and wife together in a very unique way where they express their love to each other in this in this special way that God has given but within that context it becomes one of the special gifts that God has given to us well, let's pray to our father in heaven let's ask him for the spirit of of God to live in us and it's through his spirit that we can use this gift in the way that he intends amen let's now sing together brothers and sisters we're going to sing um psalm 51 this is the psalm that david sang after he committed sexual sin and he confessed his sins to God and he sought his forgiveness psalm 51 verses 1 4 and 6 
Let's now call upon the Lord in thanksgiving and prayer. In our prayer this afternoon, we'll also remember Brother Wally Tenhaf. Wally's been admitted to the hospital in, in Bunbury, so we'll pray that God gives him peace of mind, blesses the work of the doctors. Let us pray. Almighty God and Father in heaven, we thank and praise you that you are God who is pure and holy. You never sin, you never tempted by sin. When Jesus Christ came to this world, then, then he never committed any kind of sexual sin. He was righteous in all his dealings. He was holy before you. We thank you for that, Lord, because we want to plead upon the blood of Jesus. We want to plead for the righteousness of Christ to be, to be applied to our account. Father, we are those who are sinners. We are like this, this young man who is not wise. We see sin, and instead of fleeing from it, Sometimes we flirt with sin, and then sometimes it gets us. We end up falling into sin. At times, sin becomes a pattern in our lives. We confess this to you, Lord, and we pray for your grace and for your forgiveness. Forgive us for the times where we flirted. Forgive us for the times where we went browsing in places where we could find pornography. Forgive us for the times where we sought out pornography Forgive us for the times where we've been unfaithful, for the affairs that we've had, or for the adultery that we've committed. Please wipe us clean, Lord. Forgive us for the, for the times where we've engaged in, in sex before marriage. We confess our sin to you, and we ask for your grace and forgiveness. And we plead with you that for Jesus' sake, that you wash us and you make us clean. Thank you, Lord, that you offer this gift. Thank you that that we may look to Christ in faith. If ever it happens, Lord, that, that we feel that, that you can't be gracious, that we've done it too often, that we've got caught in this sin too many times, we pray that you would help us to run to the cross, help us to, to beat the path there, to humble ourselves before you. It's so beautiful to sing together from Psalm 51 that when we humble ourselves before you, then you will be gracious. The one thing that you delight in, that's pleasing in your eyes, is the contrite heart of one who has repented. And then, Father, we also pray that you would help us to assist each other with these matters. Give us a spirit of grace, of gentleness, give us a spirit of righteousness, of calling others to repent. Grant that we can open our hearts to each other, that we can hold one another accountable. We ask, Father, that you would be with the, with the parents in our congregation, that they're able to create a context within their families where there is fidelity, where there's love and faithfulness. Pray, Lord, that they are also able to speak about these things, to warn their children about the dangers that are out there. We pray, Lord, that they can help their children, that they have wisdom to engage in the conversations and to assist their children to walk in righteousness before you. Father, we also pray that you would help us as a communion of the saints, that we're able to help one another with these things. We're so thankful that you give us to each other. We're so thankful for the, for the opportunity to walk alongside a life with one another, to pray for each other and to hold one another accountable. We ask, Lord, that you help us, that you give us the humility to be open and to be able to, to put sin to rest and to live beautiful, holy lives before you. Father, we acknowledge that this is not only a matter of our, our sinful desires. We also realize that there's 
There's also a spiritual component to this. There are spiritual forces of darkness that attack us in these ways. And then we pray that you would rescue us, that you hold on to us, and that you keep us safe. Thank you, Lord, for the encouragement that you give us in 1 Thessalonians 4. It is your will that we are sanctified, that we abstain from sexual immorality, and that we control our bodies in holiness and honor. And we also thank you for the, for the promise you give us in the next chapter, that you are the God who will sanctify us, and that you will keep our whole spirit, soul, and body blameless for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you that you are faithful, and thank you that you promise that you will do it. This is our only hope, and so we rejoice in you. Father, we pray then that that as a community, that we can be a light in a dark place. We ask, Lord, that instead of, of living as our world does, that when our world comes in contact with us, then they realize that there's something really beautiful and something really unique among us. Grant, Lord, that, that by our example and by our conversation, that we can be a light in a dark world, that we can show those around us how life was intended to be lived, and that people can see the, the beauty of the life that you give to your people. Your Father in heaven, we ask that you would Please give courage if there are any children among us or young people among us who struggle with these sins. Give them the courage to, to ask for assistance. And then please, please grant that we're able to, to also help our children through these things. Lord, we pray that you would also please bless us in every other way. I ask that you would give us humility. The, the core sin that often stands behind this, Lord, is, is this autonomy is thinking that we can do life by ourselves and for ourselves. Sometimes we get into this selfish frame of mind where we want some me time, where we want to do things for ourselves, and we really don't care about others, we don't care about the consequences. Father, please rescue us from this. Please help us to understand that our lives are lives of service and of gratitude to you for the riches of your grace, and help us to orient our lives towards you. Thank you that you, that you give us your word week after week, that you call us to yourself and you remind us of who you are and what you've done for us. Dear Father in heaven, we also pray that you take care of us as we come to the end of the year. So thankful, Lord, for the blessings that you've given us this past year as a congregation. So many things that you have blessed us with, Lord. The faithful preaching of the gospel, the ability to study your word. You've given us a community of the saints, so many people around us where we can have joyful relationships, where there can be a lot of encouragement and help. Thank you for the youth that have been born in our congregation. Thank you also for the, the young people who could profess their faith and for the many others who could join our church. Thank you, Lord, that your face shines upon us. Thank you that the office bearers are faithful in their task, that they can meet with many of the congregation members. We want to pray for your continued blessing over that relationship. Grant that the office bearers may know the members, that as members that we're able to open our hearts to those who are over us in the Lord. And please grant that we can... In this way, receive your help and your assistance in our lives. Lord, we thank you for the faithful work of the deacons, that they sought to, to help those in the congregation who needed special assistance. Please bless the visits that they had. Grant that your people may, may live in, in peace and in unity as they experience your love in their lives as also administered through the deacons. Father in heaven, we, we want to honor you and thank you that you are a God of grace that you love us and that you care for us, despite the fact that we don't deserve it. Please accept our thanks. And we want you to know that we also love you with all our hearts.
We pray now, Lord, that you please accept the thank offerings that we bring before you. Grant that, that the work of mission may continue. Please be with our missionaries. Grant them also a time of, of rest. Please keep them safe during the season. Please also grant that, that they have renewed energy for a new task again in the new year. Please accept our thanks for all these things and hear us in Jesus' name we pray. And we also pray, Lord, that you, that you would be with our brother Wally Tenhoff. I want to ask that you would surround him with, with your care and nearness, that you grant him the peace of Christ, and that you, that you comfort him in his situation. Please also be with his wife, Leone. Please care for her, Lord. Give her the strength to also support her husband. And please grant your blessing over this family. Please be near to all those who, who suffer, especially during this time of year. In Christ's name, we ask. Amen. So, brothers and sisters, the collection this afternoon is for the mission work in Papua New Guinea. And then after the collection, we're going to sing together of the victory of our Lord Jesus Christ over sin and Satan and the help he gives us, hymn 51, the verses 1 through 4.
Receive now the blessing of God. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.